Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gower for the intro music. Enjoyed the show. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what had even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And it, Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or anchor.fm. And it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall and uh, back to the show. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In a native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got GEICO, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. GEICO will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. GEICO. Great service, without all the drama. Today we are honored to have a real Renaissance man join us. Pat Thomas. Though his main gig nowadays is as a producer for Fire Records and Earth Recordings, Thomas has also been the author of several outstanding counterculture historical books, including his biographies of the Black Panthers, Listen Whitey, and Jerry Rubin, Did It, as well as an anthology on Lou Reed, My Week Beats Your Year. His work as a reissue producer is staggering. His mile-long listing at All Music Guide includes releases by Tim Buckley, Sly Stone, Dr. John, Waylon Jennings, Brian Eno, and Rocky Erickson. Upcoming projects include books on comedian Ernie Kovacs, Van Morrison, and Allen Ginsberg, based on the poet's archives that he curates for Stanford University. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling fit-tacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th, see club for details. So, let's join Pat and Elliot as they discuss literature, music, 
and just about anything else that gets in the way. Enjoy. Okay, so um, let me introduce our guest today, Mr. Pat Thomas. And Pat is what I consider, a lot, the, the term is tossed around very light, loosely, lightly, but uh, <laughs> Pat's a legitimate um, renaissance man. <laughs> Musician, writer, um, 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 advocate, you you kind of do it all, and um, I want to get into some of the nuts and bolts on why you do it, and how okay. you and how you picked your, um, you know, kind of how you pick your topics and things like that. But I promised you a curveball, so let's get started on that. Well, I like I like to say I've done everything you can do in the uh, music, uh, book, business, except actually make money. Hey. You ever see those things on, on Facebook, like your um, porno name is, yeah, right. your, is your first car and your last name, whatever. Right, um, right, right, what do they right. say? A struggling musician, your first name is your first name and your last name is your last name. Right. <laughs> that, that's, that's how you get your struggling musician name. Right, um, right. Uh, well, I'm there with you. I'm making um, $15 a month doing my podcast. There you go. There you but go. It's costing me forty-five to do it. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, here, here we go. Um, I need to know your favorite and your least favorite Who album. Oh wow! Well, it's hard to pick just one, but I would, you know, I probably spent the most time listening to Who's Next. Right. Um, least favorite. Now this came from Willie Aaron. Oh, okay, okay. You know, I mean, I, I'm actually a guy who even likes space dances, for Christ's sake. Um, so a least favorite, it might, it might be, it might be weirdly enough, uh, what would be the second album? So, so you've got my generation, right? And then this lady of who sells. So it's like uh, Happy Jack, you know? Happy Jack, okay. That might be my least favorite, just off the top of my head. Okay, so, so that wasn't that much of a curveball. What's really talking about? I thought we'd get into a two-hour discussion. <laughs> okay, now this is something I ask all my guys. Um, sure. And um, the Beatles, everybody's a Beatles fan. Yeah, I am, for sure. Me too. Me too. Um, um, what do you think is the greatest solo Beatle album? Well, I got to instantly go for John Lennon's debut plastic Ono band. Yeah. Because for me, it's it's not just the music, it's it's a therapeutic, you know, cathartic, emotional record, both for him to make and for us to listen to. Uh, you know, obviously I love other things, like other things fast and ram, but, but I actually probably, as much as I play the Beatles, if I was stuck on a desert island, I'd probably say I got I got to go with that Plastic Ono Band album yeah. before any Beatles record, which is well, almost hard to imagine. Mine is All Things Must Pass. Sure. Yeah. And, that, was, and that, that was before the you know this whole new reissue came Re out. Yeah, right. Which we don't need to get into except no. to say it's kind yeah. of weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird, but yeah, that's mine. And um, and I bought into that album heavy. I, I you know I, I I had the album when I was in high school as a kid. And um, I saw George Harrison at Bangladesh right after that came out. Oh, nice. And, and so I was really invested in that album, and uh, I love that album. And I spoke to Bobby um, Whitlock about it, and you know, we had some great conversations about it. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of things came out of that album, a lot of bands, a lot of great music. Oh, yeah, Derek and the Dominoes was invented on the spot, sort of, because of yeah. that Yeah, sure. Ro Rolling Stones took some people from that album. And, yeah, um, right, exactly. Just, in fact, um, Bobby told me that Jagger used to come into the sessions, and he'd sit Bobby down and say, play some gospel music for me. And that became stuff like All Down the Line and things like that on Exile. Right, yep. So, yep. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah, so a lot, of, a lot happened from there. So, um, okay, so let's talk about you. You, um, I don't know, out of all the things that you're noted for, um, your Black Panther book seems to be the go-to that everybody points yeah, out I, first. Yeah, I, 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 I've joked that on my tombstone, it'll say this is the author of Listen Whitey. Yeah. The book is called Listen Whitey, The Sounds of Black Power, 1965 right. to 1975. And for those of you who don't know it, which is many of you, 
it's an interesting book. There's been a lot of books, obviously, about the history of the Black Panther Party. This is more about how the Black Panthers and other uh, Black power groups, uh, you know, uh, not music groups, but political groups, loved music, how they inspired musicians, how musicians inspired them. Uh, obviously, a lot of jazz musicians uh, got into Black consciousness and Black you know, thought. Uh, you know, Dylan wrote the song George Jackson about uh, Black militant. There's John and Yoko Ono's song Angela Davis, etc. And and nobody, you know, I wrote this book has been out for about a decade, and I'm I'm proud to say that nobody has uh, bettered it or, no. or, or or you know, I mean, it, it just kind of remains this definitive thing. Uh, and, and that album, um, that book, and it's. Um... And its companion album, the CD. Right, there's a companion soundtrack album, correct? Um, are actually, um, they just keep. Um, it, it seems to be the foundation if you start if you're studying about black, you know, Black Panther. Right. Black... And I, I mean, one of, one of my proudest moments was uh, about a year or two ago. Uh, Michael Shreve, we were just talking about him, yeah. texted me and he said, uh, "I need you to send a copy. I want to I want to gift Lenny White a copy of the album and the CD." Right. And I think it was the other guy was Mike Clark or so, you know, so yep. the, the fact that other people, um, I was invited to speak at the 50th anniversary of the Black Panther celebration, which happened in 2016. And next month, I'm supposed to speak at the 55th. So, you know, uh, you know, more than any sales or any sort of accolades in a magazine to have the black community especially the Oakland black community embrace my book is, is right. these are the highest honor that a honky like me can have. You yeah. Know? I, I went to a predominantly black high, um, junior high school, high school, and I used to spend a lot of time in Greenwich village growing, you know, as a kid. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the Panthers were um, are a force to be reckoned with back then. Yes. You know, I, I remember the Panthers on one side of the village and hell's angels on the other. Right. And, and, you know, you had a fine line to walk. And right. um, I'll tell you a great story. I, um, I was a big Chambers Brothers fan back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I went to see the Chambers Brothers in Hempstead, New York, mm -hmm. which oh, yeah. is, uh, you know, it was, it's an urban neighborhood. And um, I go to the show and, you know, I'm 14 years old, 15, and I have my date. Yeah. And um, we walk in and it's a Black Panther uh, rally. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we're the two honkies, you know, we're the two, uh, you know. Yeah, and, sure. Um, so it, it was like that scene in um, Animal House where uh, right. the guy left his girlfriend and ran. <laughs> I mean, it didn't yeah, get I that love bad. It. I love but, it. But, yeah. but it almost did, you know. They kept calling us blue eyes, and you can see my eyes are brown, <laughs> but they kept calling us blue eyes because we were, you know, Caucasian. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was quite it was quite the scene but yeah um i remember being petrified of the panthers and that's not how it started they started out being a um just a, a community group to, to help feed kids to help feed the needy well that's that's right and they and and and, and they sort of also ended that way i mean they right. you know the, the the gun toting beret period is actually just part of their thing by the, by the early to mid 70s they were running for city council and mayor of Oakland. And, uh, you know, so, you know, my, I, I also say that my book is a little bit what I call the warm and fuzzy um, side of the Black Panthers, you know, talking yeah. about th that stuff. They're, they're a very misunderstood uh, organization by, by frankly, people of all races, you know, but, right. but and, ultimately they were very important culturally and politically. And, that, and that's the angle of my, my stuff. Okay, cool. And it's the book. I've been looking for an e-copy of the book. It's no, there's no, there's no e-copy. It's um, the, you know, the book is available on Amazon. You know, physically. Right. Uh, there's plenty of used copies for those who you know are on a budget. Uh, the the CD is, however, available on things like Spotify and iTunes. Yeah. So you, I have a copy of the CD. Yeah. See, yeah. the CD is going with some crazy money now. I don't know if you know that. It, it might be because it's out of print, right? Yeah. But you. You can Spotify it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's At some point, I got to get this stuff back in print, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fifty, sixty dollars for the CD now, yeah. and um, that that says something about it. It's definitely becoming a collector's item, and um, I'm glad I have my copy. So anyway, um, that's the Black Panther thing. Now, from there, you have found um, 
counterculture to be your love. Yeah, my other my other big book, literally big book, it weighs almost five pounds, is an oral and visual and narrative history of Jerry Rubin, Abby Hoffman, and the Yippies. Mm -hmm. That includes the Chicago Eight, and uh, includes uh, some of their friends like Phil Oakes, Norman Mailer, Al Ginsberg, Timothy Leary. And that was a five-year project. I, I talked to almost 100 uh, you know, activists and old school radicals, and I'm very, very proud of that book. Um, and it's, it's sort of, if you will, it's, it's the white companion to the black right. power book, if, if you will, you know, the yin yeah. and yang. That. Yeah, the yin and yang, okay. And um, that's another very strong book. That book is, it's, it's a go-to reference book. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, no one is, again, I, I'm proud to say that no one has, has done, you know, before I did it or even after I did it, that book has only been about three or four years, but no one else had done that. And, and one of the things I'm most proud of is when you read about or see a documentary about the anti-Vietnam War movement, it's almost always focusing on the men. I interviewed many women, uh, you know, and so and so there's there's a strong female element to the book as well, giving, giving the, the, the women protesters their, their due finally. So. Now, do you know what makes you tick? Why do you, why do you um, kind of gravitate to that cultural? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm born in 1964, so obviously I didn't really live through this stuff uh, consciously, except that my brother was 10 years older, uh -huh. right? So, you know, by the time I was as, as young as 10, right, so, you know, around 1973, 74, I'm kind of plugging into this stuff. My brother gave me a copy of Abby Hoffman's Steal This Book, and we, sure. we had uh, the uh, Easy Rider soundtrack in the house when I was in kindergarten, you know. So I've always just been attracted to this. I mean, another book I'm working on, I don't really want to dig too deep, is a uh, it's a book of, of Allen Ginsberg's personal writings and drawings and things. So I, I, lo I love the counterculture. And, and in fact, my goal is to chronicle as much of the counterculture as I can before I die, <laughs> for lack of a better word. But I, I think it's a very important and very misunderstood. I mean, you know, obviously the Black Panthers are polarized and misunderstood. Jerry Rubin, Abby Hoffman are polarizing and misunderstood. Ginsberg it was polarizing. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and it's funny, one of your favorite uh, bands is The Who, and yeah. um, you know the big Woodstock thing with Hoffman and uh, Townsend, right? right? Yeah, you know, yeah. When, he, when he got whacked with a guitar. Um, yeah, well, I, briefly what I'll say is that when the 50th anniversary came up a year or two ago, you know, everyone's going, oh, you know, Abby Hoffman's such an asshole to, uh, to interrupt The Who. To me, that's what makes the 60s the 60s, right? right. Right. Like in other words, if you were going to do a movie about the '60s, let's have a, a controversial character like Abby Hoffman get up and interrupt Woodstock. I mean, first sure. of all, he had the brass balls to do it. Uh, and if you read interviews with Townsend, he he changes his mind every two years. Like you know, right. he's like, you know, screw Abby Hoffman, I did right. the right thing, or no, I should have let him. You know, I, I I mean, this is what makes the '60s interesting. You know, yeah, no rules, no rules. Yeah, if you if you want to go to a concert that's not in. Uh, that's not interrupted, then go see Wilco. Sure. You know, you know. Or Barbara Streisand. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. You know, like, you know, I, I, you know, every once in a while, you know, I, let's shake some stuff up. Yeah. Still rock and roll. That's right. Yeah. So um, you're also working on a book now about Ernie Kovacs. Uh, yeah, along with uh, Josh Mills, who, who runs the Ernie Kovacs estate. His mom was uh, Edie Adams. Which is is Ernie's wife. Ernie's wife. Now Josh is born after Kovacs dies, so he, he's not a blood relative of Kovacs, but I consider him this metaphorical stepson. Right. And, and the Kovacs book is all of this amazing writings and drawings and personal ephemera and memorabilia of, of Kovacs. It's it's going to be quite special. And most of these books I'm doing have come out or will come out on Fanographics books out of Seattle. Okay. Uh, just. People can go to Fanographics and, and swim around there. Um, and when is that due? When, when should that be out? Well, you know, uh, at this point, sometime in 2022. Uh, okay. The book is kind of done, but there's a lot of little bits and pieces to be taken care of. Are you finding it hard now to publish? A lot of guys well, I know are. are... I, I'm lucky that I have this relation with Fanographics, but uh, 
to be fair, you know, I'm not the ones who pay the rent there. So a lot of my books, and I'm not complaining, but they take an extra two or three years to go through the assembly line because obviously they need to publish books first that are going to, you know, that are going to be the big sellers, you know? Yes. So, so I'm lucky to have a book deal. And as time goes on, I realize that I'm, I'm grateful for these book deals, even if sometimes it's frustrating to be like, okay, guys, when can we print my book? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to get back to some music with you first, but while we're on this whole counterculture thing, um, I've been going through some of the mushroom uh, CDs Sure. And um, they're real interesting. They're, they have there's some great, great, great pieces. But even your, um, I'm looking at the titles now on my other screen. That's why I'm not. Um, you have tunes, um, the same counterculture stuff, Abby Hoffman. Yeah, the song uh, titles are yeah, right. Yeah, the song titles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, you know, some of the titles are incredible, but there's still a lot of um, counterculture in the music. Right. And, and, and for people who don't know Mushroom, Mushroom is mostly purely instrumental. There's no vocals. Uh -huh. Oh, well, I've been listening to compare to what a lot. Yeah, right. Well, there are there are some, but in uh -huh. general, it's 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 original non-vocal music. And, it, and we straddle a line between electric Miles Davis, uh, Soft Machine, uh, maybe a touch of King Crimson, a touch of kind of soul jazz like Les McCann. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's a little psychedelic, it's a little jazzy, it's a little rock and roll, you know, I don't know, it's a kind and, of argument. And mush, Mushroom is your baby, it's your baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm the band leader, you know, I, I, I always loved, after the cream broke up, Ginger Baker had a band called Ginger Baker's Air Force. Oh yeah, incredible. Right? And so, uh, depending on the venue, sometimes when you go to see it, the, the drums are up front and the other musicians are behind. Uh, we usually have two or three drummers. Uh, sometimes we have two drum sets and a percussionist. Um, so it's got this tribal element, but uh, sometimes there's two keyboard players. I always loved what Miles did with having both Chick Corea and Keith Jarrett on stage at the same time. Sometimes there's a whole horn section. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it really varies. Uh, yeah. You know. But I mean, you have you have um, uh, uh, you have a tune uh, dedicated to. Um, I'm assuming it's dedicated to um buddy miles oh it's called well it's a little it's a it's a little uh pun it's it says our buddy oh, Miles." Our, yeah so you could either say our buddy miles is in miles davis or our buddy miles is in buddy miles it's it's yeah. there's a pun oh okay 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 yeah it's for both it's for yeah both. okay and also you have a king crimson uh uh reference uh do i which i probably do I, mcdonald and giles oh yeah right of course right, right? which is we uh, were one of the few bands that uses a Mellotron. Uh -huh. and, you know, um, Ian McDonald, King Crimson, obviously played Mellotron. So that's a, a beautiful, long, you know, I, I'm talking about some of this music and you might think it's chaotic, but sometimes it's very ambient and mellow. Sure. You know? It's not just a million notes. Sometimes it's 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 more Eno-esque and dreamy. Just, uh -huh. FYI. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm a big uh, Crimson fan, and I was, and and what I like about your music is, you're a musicologist. I mean, you're to the nth level, right. and um, your song titles, you have to know, you kind of have to dig in, and you know, like McDon <laughs> like, like 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 McDonald and Giles. I happen to, you know, yeah, you, you know, knew it, but a lot I'm, of people, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, and I, I was proud that I knew it, <laughs> you know. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, I kind of felt a, um, a bonding there because, um, you know, I know right. a, lot of, a lot of people would have thought it was like, you know, McDonald's, you know, give, give me a hamburger. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, and so even your music, you know, your musicology sense yeah. spills into a mushroom, which is great. Uh, I'm looking for your solo albums, though. They're hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Only one of them came out in the United States about 30 years ago on vinyl, and the rest of them are, are on CD, but they were all released in Germany. Okay. Um, solo albums are me on vocals, uh, God help us, and I'm doing more of a sort of a hybrid between Dylan and Lou Reed. I'm actually planning to um, put out like the best of that stuff on CD in the United States. Oh, great. Year, because it's, I, I feel like, uh, you know, obviously, people like you haven't heard it, and I'm I'm, I'm proud of it. Um, yeah, the mushroom stuff is easy to uh, stumble across if yeah, you look. 
It is. It is. We've, we've put out about 25 albums, many of yeah. them in the United States, and they're, many of them are online. You yeah. know, so those are much easier to find. Right, 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 right. And I was listening to Analog Hi-Fi. Um, one of my favorites. Yeah. Hydrogen Jukebox and uh, Compared to What this week. Those yeah. are the three I picked this week. They were like the first three, I believe, in the catalog. Oh, cool. Cool. So I started from ground zero and working my way through them. Yeah. And um, your music um, sense, your, your um, love of music, runs every the gamut but um any you you tend to um you you tend to lean on um bands like um uh, fairport convention linda's farm not a lot of you know um when we spoke uh, not a lot of prog bands popped up well you know i'm a huge king crimson guy i mean i have yeah, crimson every, right yeah i have every one of those collectors bonus yeah. things um i i love early yes peter gabriel genesis i um you know Prague is is always been what's well, funny you know i i started off as a teenager liking it and then when punk and new wave came along i kind of you know put those albums aside and then as i got into my maybe my 30s or 40s i got back into Prague. um Prague might be one of the most misunderstood genres yeah, yeah, and it, t it tends to get boring too sometimes, right? Well, I don't, I don't like the uh, supernatural fairy tale like Tolkien Prague, right? uh -huh. like, you know, like I don't know who that might be, but I mean, for uh, me, yeah. it's sort of the, it's sort of the bread and butter. Sil yeah. Silmarian. <laughs> yeah. I will, I will say this: I will defend ELP, and I know ELP right. is, yeah. is reviled by many rock critics who like some of the other bands, but you know. Okay. I'll, I'll, Frank some ELP. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, bands like Silmarion, they, they, they do they do tend to get along with it. I'll tell you um, a funny story. Um, Lenny White told me this story. He brought up Lenny earlier. Oh, yeah. um, he was, um, I don't know if I told you the story, but anyway, he's sitting in a room with the guys from Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, Return to Forever just put out, um, I think, Romantic Warrior. Oh yeah, right. And um, Steve Howe's wife said, I, you know, they love the album and they're all sitting there listening to it. And they said to Lenny, how long did it take you guys to make? And Lenny said, it took us, um, I think he said like 13 days. Right. And uh, Howe's wife says 13 days, it takes these guys 10 months to get a snare drum to sound right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right, exactly. Yeah. You know? And yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's funny how, you know, it just, that became Prague. Prague became just overblown, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. very you know. There's very, a reason why people made fun of it after a while, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you do a lot of um, reissues. You're, you're, do. That's that's kind of how I pay the rent. That's my day job. Right? That's your day job. Okay, it's not a bad job. And um, you've worked with, uh, you know, you you've done work for the Velvet Underground. You did the Matrix tapes. Yeah, I was involved in making sure those came out. That's kind of a long, convoluted story, but yes. Yeah. Okay, help with the Matrix. You work with Todd, Todd Cochran's Bayete re-release. Yeah, Worlds Around the Sun is debut solo album. Yeah, yeah. It happens to be a great album. If you guys, you guys, who listen to me know Todd. Todd um, worked with uh, Automatic Man with Pat Thrall and Michael Shreve and Donnie Harvey. And, um, you know, he's been on a lot of interviews with us. Um, you've worked, um, you've worked with, um, you've done Aretha Franklin. Yeah, the Aretha Franklin stuff was, um, interestingly enough, about 20 years ago, you could buy all the classic Aretha Franklin albums uh -huh. uh, on CD. Like, I Never Loved a Man or Soul 69 or sure. Young Gifted in Black, but you couldn't buy them on vinyl. So I was working with uh, a couple other guys and we put out like those first six or seven Aretha albums on vinyl. They, they literally hadn't been on vinyl in a long time. So, uh, so you, you actually are involved in the uh, vinyl reissues as well. Yeah. I, I, in the, in the early two thousands, that was sort of one of the main things I, I, I put out uh, television marquee moon on vinyl. Uh -huh. Uh, we we got Public Image Limited, the metal box had only right. come out in Europe back in the 80s or 70s. We put that. So, so that was a thing for a while. I, that's not really my first love because there's not a lot of creative input there. In other words, I'm, I'm taking an album that already exists right. and we're just doing it on vinyl as it was done. What I love to do is what I've done with people like Tim, the Tim Buckley estate, the Judy Sill estate, uh, even the Allen Ginsberg estate. 
which is to put out unreleased recordings on CD for the first time. Right? Okay. Nobody has heard, right? And that and that's really where uh, I get excited. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other people I've worked with. Those are some of the biggies. Uh, Tom Rapp, Pearls Before Swine, uh, kind of obscure 70s folk rock. I did a two CD set of all kinds of oddball stuff with him. And um, so, you know, that's what gets me excited. In fact, one thing I know your listeners will love, and I'm happy to say it's coming back into print. So in 1969, Kirby Mann played for a week at the Whiskey. Uh-huh. And Atlantic Records put out a single LP. It's only 30 minutes long. It says like, Herbie Man Live at the Whiskey. And the lineup is Sonny Chirac, right. Roy Ayers, and a uh, bunch of heavyweights. I went in to, the, to Atlantic Studios, Atlantic Volts, and with some other guys, put out a two CD, like two and a half hour thing, including Linda Chirac. If you're a Sonny Chirac fan, you know, the Linda Chirac black woman. Sure. She comes on stage. And so uh, that's coming back out into print. It's and it's called something like Herbie Man Live. It's not something called Real Gone. Well, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I get excited about. Like, let's give the public yeah. something they've never heard before. Speaking of Herbie Man, people don't realize he was a pretty innovative guy. He worked with Mick Taylor. Did that's right. Album. There's an album called London Underground with yeah. Mick Taylor jamming. And I think he did a, I think I think he did a reggae album with Taylor as well. He did. I have it right. right. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. But Herbie, I, I have a couple of guys that I love: Herbie and Eddie Harris and Les McCann. And you know, hardcore jazz nerds will claim that these guys are not jazz, right? right? Because they're too funky. But I wound up doing. Uh, this is something we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Les McCann, uh, you know, lives in L.A. Still alive. God bless him. And so I started going over to his house. Uh, he's he's uh, kind of bedridden and doesn't leave the house much. And we would just sit around his house for hours and we would talk about people like Joel Dorn, who was his producer, yeah. or he would you know, tell me a Ron Carter story or something. So one day I saw this milk crate, you know how people use milk crates yeah. for storage. And there was a photo of Jimmy Carter, like an eight by 10 glossy. And there was something about it and I said, I said, Les, what's the what's the source of that Jimmy Carter photo? And he said, Well, I, I took it. I said, What do you mean? He says, I'm a photographer. And the next thing I know, he takes out photos of Miles, Duke Ellington, Aretha, Argentina, uh, Nina Simone, um, you know, you name it. And then other people like Stokely Carmichael, Martin Luther King, Red Fox. So me and Les's manager, a guy named Alan Abrahams. We put together a giant photography book of Les McCann's photos of all these black icons, African-American icons, and none of them, none of these photos had ever been published anywhere before. And the book is called, it's named after one of Les's best albums, it's called Invitation to Openness. Oh, wow. And so if, if, if you're listening, you're a jazz soul fan, you, you really got to check out this book. And uh, is that, what, is That's that another? Fan of Fanographics Press. Yeah, Again, okay. uh, just go to Amazon and, and put in Les McCann, Invitation Ominous book. And okay. Come up. Wow. You know? And a lot of these books, to be honest, I hate to say it's because they didn't sell that well. They're now at, you know, bargain basement prices. So this, this, this was originally a $40 hardcover book. You can probably get it for uh, 11 bucks or something. Wow. Sounds like a great, great book. It's funny. Um, It's, it's hard, but... Publishing is just as hard as on music sales these days. Yes. Every, everybody became an author. Everybody became a book publisher. Yeah. And um, the market is just, you know. Um, so we have a couple of um, bands that we both kind of really, really like. Fairport Convention. Oh, my God, yes. That's, yeah. Well, here, here's uh, something you, you'll be the first journalist to know. I spent two years uh, befriending and getting to know the Sandy Denny's estate. Yeah. Well, and through uh, a label I work with called Fire Records out of out of London, we're going to start a series of rare and unreleased Sandy Denny uh, recordings. Really? CD. Yeah. So that's going to be that's going to be. Wow. Cool. Yeah. What a voice that woman had. Yeah. What a voice. Uh, and actually kind of an underrated songwriter. If you yes. read Richard Thompson, he's like, hey, yeah, I'm a great songwriter, but, you know, you might want to check out Sandy Denny as well. You know, yeah. She, she yeah. Was, and, and Fairport Convention turned into a supergroup if you go back and look at them. 
they well they did they did and I, I'm you know the Sandy Denny Richard Thompson years of course are wonderful but I'm I'm a fan of when Dave Swarbrick and and Trevor Lucas were the lead singers I love that uh-huh. stuff too I love the offshoots I love the Albion band uh, Steel Eye Span right uh, obviously Richard and Linda Thompson uh, there, there's a lot to dig into there yeah yeah and uh, do you follow Thompson as well do you, you really I do I mean I um. I'm embarrassed to say that I stopped buying his new albums, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 years ago, uh, for whatever reason. Too many, too many too soon. Too many too soon. But, you know, as a live performer, especially acoustic, he's, he's mind boggling. I saw him in New Jersey many years ago at a, uh, um, like an abandoned castle. And he was just, you know, that's when he was doing, um, oops, I did it again, all that acoustic stuff. Right. It was quite amazing. It was him and a, he had a female percussionist with him, and they were just yeah. they were just incredible. Um, but yeah, he just started putting out albums like um, every other day. You know, there's a new Richard right. Thompson yeah. album, and you couldn't keep up. Um, yeah. So Fairport Convention, um, you're a big fan of um, the Who. Obviously, we talked about yeah, it earlier. Yeah, that. Sure. Yeah. And um, any new bands that you're really sinking your teeth into? You know, um, in 2010, a friend of mine asked me to list my favorite albums between 2000 and 2010, right? Yeah. I made a list, and then when I Googled them, I realized they all came out in the late 90s. Okay. So <laughs> I, I have, in other words, the people I loved in the late 90s were like Beth Orton, Jeff Buckley, Elliot Smith, Brantley Buffalo, right? You have a tune for Elliot Smith too, with a reprise. Right, right, exactly. Now, you know, a couple of these people died on me for grace sake. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm embarrassed to say, or maybe I'm not even embarrassed, maybe I'm even proud of it. Uh, you know, those are the most recent artists. Actually, that's not true. I love this guy out of Maine who's who puts out a lot of records name, uh, Roy, he has like a French name. Uh, Roy Lamonte. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Roy Lamontage, Montage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy, uh, this guy is, is, you know, very current. He He's a blend between Levon Helm and Nick Drake. Okay. It's like it's like taking the band with Levon on vocals with some of the ethereal. Nick, I, it's, his, it's mood music. I mean, he's, he's a songwriter. I have every one of his albums, he's got about 10 albums. He averages at about an album every two years and I buy them the minute they come out. Really? So I, so I do have this one guy, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> one current artist Okay. Uh, that I follow, you know? Yeah, it's hard to find, um, I've, been, I've been searching, I've been talking to a lot of um, musician friends yeah. and um, it's hard to find a, a great, great act these days. Well, you know what it is? I, I think a lot of these guys, like the Fleet Foxes, they sound good, right? They're they're inspired by people yeah. we love, like Fairport Crosby. There's no there's no friggin' songs, right? right. There's there's no no heart. Yeah, it's like it's a can, can I have one song as memorable as the Buffalo Springfield's Bluebird? Can I can I have sure. a song as strong as Our House? You know, like. Right. Give me some friggin' songs, gentlemen. You know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. New music too. I find there's no hooks anymore. Well, that's so, what I mean. Right, there's yeah, no hooks. Yeah, there's just no hooks in the music anymore. And um, I, you know, I think music has a shelf life now, where um, it's not made to last. It's made to kind of like milk. It, it I expires. mean, we're talking commercial pop music, which neither one of us listen to. When, when you see five producers and ten songwriters listed, yeah, you know, might as well just say this is crap. Don't buy me. Although yeah. admittedly, you know, there's there's like ten thousand million hits on Spotify for this crap. It's, sure, it's yeah, it doesn't last though. It's kind of like the disco days. There was it was a right. producer's market. You know, the artists meant nothing. Right. You, That's you right. get anybody in like Marauder would you know have fourteen different bands. That, right. But, right. Yeah. Well. Well said. Right. Yeah. 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 And they were all him. Um, right. so, okay. So you, you brought up Sonny Chirac earlier, and Sonny um, comes from the Bill Laswell stable. Yeah. So, sure. which, which is interesting. Yeah, Sonny, um, Sonny was a great guitarist. No, you know, he's, he's one of those unknown guys that everybody should. Yes, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of known amongst record nerds and musicians, basically. Yeah, yeah, but he's a great, 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 great musician. Um, how about bands? Well, we, dis- we discussed Morphine offline. 
I know it's not one of your favorites, but how about Built to Spill? Have you ever heard them? You know, that's a name that I've heard a million times. I've probably read interviews with them. I have not consciously heard a Built to Spill track that I'm aware of, so I, so I don't have an opinion. Okay. Um, okay. And, right and there's a bunch down. of them like that, right? We could you could probably rattle off uh, a ton of them, and I go, yeah, yeah, I've heard of them. I've heard of them. Okay. Yeah, because the they were a pretty interesting <laughs> band. They were they were pretty interesting. Part of it is is that I listen to music all day long as my day job. Right. And then when I come home at night, I probably want to put out some, listen to something somewhat familiar to relax. Right. So there's, there's just not enough hours in the day for me to keep up with contemporary music. Um, you know, sometimes somebody gives me something, you know, it turns my head around, but um, you know, I, I, sometimes people even scold me on Facebook. Like, dude, I can't believe you haven't heard built a spill. It's like, you know, I do walk a mile in my friggin' shoes, right? Sure. You're sitting at home. I don't know what you're doing for a living, you know, reading well, or masturbating. And hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it great. But like, you know what? I'm busy listening to a friggin' album that I got to reissue. So I was talking to um, some of my, you know, some of my contemporaries. I never had time to get into a band like Nirvana. They just kind yeah. of passed me by. And, yeah, sure. you know, a, a band, you know, they just, REM, there was just so much. You know, music. See, to now I'm to I'm being a little younger than you uh, a yeah. bit. REM for me, like those first five years when they were on IRS Records, that was like heaven for us, right? We followed them around. There was, right. you know, L REM struck a chord. So so in the '80s, I was totally plugged in. In fact, in the '80s, I bought nothing but new music, right? right. So right. I loved REM. I loved a bunch of bands from LA called the Paisley Underground. There was the Dream Syndicate, the Bangles, Three O'Clock, Green on Red, Rain Parade, Long Riders. Um, there were even, you know, very obscure bands that very few of your listeners would know, like Miracle Legion or Salem 66. I loved uh, some of the punkier stuff like Husker doing Miniman. So in the eighties, if we were doing this interview in the eighties, right, you'd be like, man, Pat Thomas really knows his shit. Sure. <laughs> But, uh, well, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the nineties, I gave up. Right, right. I gave up. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, uh, uh, Foo Fighters. I can't tell you five Foo Fighters songs. Right, same here, same here. You know, and um, you know, I worked with them. You know, I, when I was running the stadiums and things, they came through and everything else. And um, you know, I just never had the chance to. One other thing know. I'll say, since we're kind of nerding out on this, I still buy by certain artists. Like for example, I'm still following Robert Plant. Right. I think Robert okay. was solo act is pretty incredible. In fact, right. more now than when he first left Led Zeppelin. Right. He's he's doing very complex kind of world music. And, uh, you know, so I st I'll still buy a new Robert Plant album. You know? Yeah. He's supposed to be going on the road again soon. Right. With the Krauss. Right, I think right. he's reunited with Krauss. The first first album with her was fantastic. Yes. The one coming, you know. Yeah, it was a great album. Yeah. Um, OK, so politics. Yeah. You're the man I wanted to talk to. Are we up Schitt's Creek or what? Well, you know, obviously, you know, if we had had a second term of Trump, I don't know if we would have ever recovered. I, I uh, you know, the Biden-Harris team, I think, is doing the best they can with the tools they were given. Um, you know, it's funny. I love all this radical politics from the 60s. I think in current day, I'm probably a little more of a, Center, uh, you know, sort of in center. I mean, of a, of a liberal. In other words, I'm, you know, a lot of my friends are anarchists, where they're like, I don't want to vote for anybody, or if it's not Bernie, I don't want to know. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm kind of a little more pragmatic. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Biden was not my first choice, but like, hey, you know, he's in there. He's he, doing he, he was the only choice. Yeah, yeah, he's the only choice. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to see a black female in the Oval Office, you know, um, right. with Harris. Um, but I think we're really screwed is uh, environmental issues. You know, this is the 15th anniversary or something of uh, Al, Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth movie. And, you know, as Al pointed out the other day, it's like, you know, it's, it's actually worse than, than we predicted, you know. Yes. And I think the best thing about COVID was like in LA, people didn't drive for about four months. I started seeing wildlife walking yeah. through of LA. It was yeah. fantastic. 
And yeah. the ozone layer said, hey, thank you very much for not having a million and a half cars on the 405 freeway. I, I wish in some perverse way we could say for three months out of the year, nobody's driving unless it's an emergency vehicle or some crazy. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I, think these, I think all these storms and everything else is uh, Mother Nature saying, you know, you can't fuck with me. No, no, that's right. That's you know, I'm, right. I, I'm the boss here. You're not, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'll find a way to cool down the earth. I'll find a way to clean things up and, yeah. you know, don't get in my way, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, you know, again, that's, you know, that's any, but anyway, um, Trump's making a comeback, right? He's getting. Well, I'm, you know, I hope I'm wrong or I'm right. I should say, <laughs> what am I trying to say? I mean, I don't think this guy has the energy to, to run for, for re-election. I, you know, I could be wrong. Um, what is weird, though, is he has no tangible political power, but he has all this sort of fanboy political power. Right? I've, ne mm -hmm. I've never seen anything like it. Right. No. I mean, I, I, I would be shocked if he ever gets back in office. And yet everyone's all these right wing nutbags are bending over backwards to make them happy. Right. If I was a right wing nutbag, I'd be saying, let's find a new leader. Right. Yeah, well, I think you're going to see some um, offshoots now. Obviously, Pence wants to make a run, and uh, right, right. You know, there's a couple of uh, you know, whatever. I mean, what I what I'm happy to see is a few of these people. Uh, is it? She's kind of a, the daughter of someone famous. So, was it the Cheney? Someone someone's trying to break away from Trump. Oh, got Cheney, yeah, oh, Cheney. Yeah. So, like, you know, I, I know this is an oxymoron to say if you were a clear-thinking Republican, but. Seriously, if, if you <laughs> doesn't buy into this Trump bullshit, yeah. uh, you know, I, I kind of feel sorry for you because, you know, it, it would be nice for all of our sakes to see, you know, I mean, now, now we start to look back at the Bushes almost fondly, right? Yeah, I was just going to say that. Who ever thought Bush and Cheney would be our heroes? Yeah, and when Cheney, when Cheney said that, that Trump had gone too far, you're like, okay, now the devil is telling you you've gone too far. That's amazing. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. But whoever thought they, you know, politics, strange bedfellows, right? Yeah. Um, so, we, so where do you think we're going to wind up? Are we going to, um, I mean, the government's taking away our freedoms one by one and nobody knows or cares, so to speak. Right, sure. Because yeah. nobody realizes what we're losing. Um, how do we wake people up? What do we do? Well, you know, I, I get asked this question a little bit because I obviously lecture at colleges and high yeah. schools about the 1960s. And, you know, obviously, thankfully, there's no war. But people say to me, you know, how come people aren't marching the streets? You know, the, the draft was a real motivator yeah. to get people pissed off, right? Because if you were, you know, a young person and you thought you were going to go to Vietnam or you, you were the girlfriend of someone, you know, in other words, both men and women were motivated to get out to the streets. The, the, the best thing I saw in the last four or five years was the the, the pussy hat march uh -huh. right after Trump was elected. Right. And, and I, it was amazing to see all these people, not just women, but but men. And, uh, you know, taking to the streets, I mean, it doesn't always work. I mean, you know, the, the, the riots after George Floyd, that was also inspirational, you know. Right. And, uh, but, you know, if, if I, I don't really have the, I mean, if I had the answers, I wouldn't be on this show. I'd be, uh, I don't know where I'd be. I'd be running oh, my own fault. Sure, 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 sure. Take a sh it's always my fault. <laughs> always my fault. Um, no, but really, um, yeah. the artists aren't coming out. I mean, some of the rap artists are. Sure. I mean, rap is, uh, I'm not a big rap fan, but, uh, you know, these guys seem to be out there making noise but nobody takes it seriously right right yeah you know, like i said in the, in the 60s we had the explosion of the baby boomer youth movement but but i think it was the motivation to not wanting to get your head blown off in vietnam yeah and you got people inspired coupled with that you know the civil rights movement martin luther king and that folds in later to the black power movement so it was just this incredible synergy that we just don't really have anymore better the worse you know it's possible and i had a draft card i was the last of the draft card holders yeah and, yeah and i remember um sitting on you know trains in new york you know the railroad and uh, the police would come in and they'd ask you if your id and if you were you know whatever 17 
yeah and you, and you didn't have a car you got pulled into the station you know right. and um yeah it was a whole different um set of rules but um there has to be something to wake people up that we're we're kind of losing this whole freedom battle you know we, we're yeah, you know, yeah we are we are it's 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 true it's it's true um you know, pre-COVID, I think Jane Fonda was getting arrested every Friday for protesting yeah. environmental issues on the steps of the Capitol. Yeah, so, so some of the old guard is still at it. Um, you know, there's new, there's new blood too. You know, um, is there a counterculture anymore? No, no. Uh, I mean, it's 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 probably, yeah, there there is, but it's 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 in these little pockets. Like, you know, I'm not a Burning Man guy, but mm-hmm. arguably, Burning Man is part of the counterculture um there's um I'm, I'm kind of having a brain fart here there's a few other things like that but there, you know the other thing i loved about the 60s is that at some point the counterculture became pop culture and vice versa mm-hmm. right you know woodstock is a perfect example of that you know um but you know those those days are kind of gone i think um, yeah and um you know the other thing too uh, this is one of my rants. When you go back and you watch Johnny Carson or Dick Cavett, people are on there because they're interesting and they have a story to tell, whether they're a movie star or an author. And people are not necessarily selling a book or a movie. Right. When you watch Colbert, and I think Colbert is pretty cool, every friggin' guest is pimping their latest thing. Right. You know, can we just have somebody on there because they're interesting and we are, you know what I mean? It's, MSNBC too. Everybody wrote a book. Everybody's. Yeah. So, so in other words, documentary. You know, Car- Carson or Dick Kevin would have Norman Mailer on or Gore Vidal or, or these types of guys. And they, they were between books. They weren't out there to sell you their latest book. Right. Or we, we might have, you know, even Elizabeth Taylor and she's not there pimping her movie, you know, like yep. we've become this thing like, Hey, you want to be on Colbert? You you know, A, you got to be famous, which I understand, but B, you got to have something to sell. It's like, fuck that, man. Just have somebody come on and just shoot the shit. Yep. And Warhol was right. Everybody's famous for 15 minutes now. Yeah, exactly. Everybody gets their 15 minutes. Um, okay, so there's no counterculture and um, politics is a mess. And uh, <laughs> A they were liberal... going to commit suicide at the end of this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With any luck, I'll, the seven uh, listeners I had, I'll have four left by the end of this one. Um, no, but anyway, um, liberals liberals are crazy as well. This whole uh, uh, um, cancel culture thing. I mean, yeah, I agree. In fact, I, I have a phrase I use. Some people are so far left, they're doing a full reach around to the right. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. The cancel culture thing to me really uh, drives me crazy. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't do a movie like uh, Blazing Saddles anymore. No, which to me is re- is ridiculous. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, your books. You right. know, pe- people would, you know, people would put up a stink if you know if they, if they could, if they yeah. realized what the books are about. If they took time to read, they'd, yeah. uh, you know, they'd be bitching about it. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. So we, from what I understand, is your passions are politics and music. And the counterculture; those are your. Yeah, that kind of gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, yeah, more or less. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. There's something, you know, that's great. Right. And um, I spoke to a mutual friend of ours, Willie Aaron, and he yeah. said that you're uh, an Anglophile, and your favorite time period is sixty-seven to seventy-two. Does that make sense? Yeah, I always say that. I uh, I usually say sixty-eight to seventy-two, but sixty-seven, uh, you know. To me, some of my, you know, if we go back to music, some of my favorite bands of the 60s make their best albums in the 70s. In other words, I'll, I'll take Who's Next and Quadrophenia amazingly over Who Sell Out, even though I love Who Sell Out. I'll take, right. I'll take Exile on Main Street, you know, over, you know, Between the Buttons. You right. know, I, mean, sure. I, I just, I love that late 60s. I mean, I will never say that Let It Be is the best Beatles album. But it's my, it might be my favorite. I, I love the sound of a band disintegrating. Yeah. Right? I, I, I love, uh, more than Let It Be, I love what you might call the Get Back album. You know, the, Mine is a revolver. Yeah, and revol- dude, I play revolver all the time, but I, 
I just there's something about that. Now, you, now, 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 now you say get back. That was the um, bootleg. Yeah. Let it be. Yeah, right. It was the Glenn Johns version. With yeah, yeah. And, and extra songs and things. Right? Yeah, and it's, it's it is a brilliant uh, collection. Yeah, I mean, I love watching the Beatles rooftop concert, and uh, yeah, I just I just think that that time period. It's kind of when you know, musicians were political and, poli and and radical politicians were rock stars, right? There was, you know, you, uh -huh. you didn't, you'd have a John Lennon poster and an Angela Davis poster on your dorm room wall. Right. right. Yeah, and they did it to Twine. Um, mm -hmm. will, will we ever see another John Lennon or another Bob Dylan as in his protest days? Will you anybody know, take that lead again? You know, the thing that, that made Lennon and uh, many others of that era is that they were not only talented musically, but they were pretty intelligent, you know. Right. Um, I'm I'm going to say something, and, and some of your reader uh, listeners will agree with me, and some might want to punch me in the face. Kurt Cobain, for me, is talented of a songwriter as he was. He was very talented. I'm not sure he was very bright. Okay. I'll just throw that out there. I mean, I you know I didn't know the guy, but you know I don't think he was the intellectual that Lennon was, you know. He wasn't the songwriter Lennon was either. I mean, if you- Yeah, and then, you know, I, that I'm, I, I'm, even though I'm not a big Cobain fan, I'm, I'm gonna give him his due and respect on the songwriting, but I'm, I'm just saying that, I mean, I, I'll tell this story, and this is, this is a story that I've never told publicly, and I, I might have to leave the guy's name out of it, but a friend of mine is a long time, you know, 1970s era punk rock legend. Mm -hmm. And so he goes up to Seattle to play a show in like 1989, 1990. And Mudhoney comes to see him, all those guys, and Nirvana and Soundgarden, right? They're paying homage to this guy. He comes back to San Francisco and he, I said, what did you think? He goes, nice guys. None of them were very bright. <laughs> and I, that made me chuckle and it makes me chuckle now, you know? Yeah, uh, like well, I said, half of your listeners are going to go, Pat Thomas, you sound like an asshole, and half of them will go, yeah, he might be. Well, no, 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 but that's, yeah. I, I think, um, yeah. I think the kids are getting dumbed down as the, the further we get into the future. Right, right, but these these musicians, you know, were more or less born around the same time I was. You know, so well, I mean, I, we, me and you are friends, uh, yeah. the same friends, and yeah, I know yeah. guys who um, had big, huge bands, and I remember them telling me that uh, this guy could go into a clue store and come out clueless. Right. <laughs> you know? And, right, and right, so right. you always had that, but um, I think it's more pro uh, you know, it's more uh, prevalent now that there are. Well, it kind uh, of ties into what I was saying about TV talk shows. And there was, you know, America had this intellectual side. We don't have that. I mean, the fact yeah. that, you know, Trump and his gang pride themselves on being morons, right? We're, right. we're missing this intellectual thing i mean i i recently got my master's degree and i'm going to leave out the university for now and i was amazed how unintellectual that master's program was really and and that many of my fellow students of all ages were not interested in being challenged right in other words they were there to get a master's so they could use it to further their careers or whatever. Yeah. But, but they didn't, they weren't really there to do some deep thinking. I was really disappointed it, and shocked. And do I you think, surprised. do you think that's due to the fact that um, as kids, if you were involved in a sports or anything else, you got a, a, a show, you know, if you showed up, you got a trophy? Well, yeah, I mean, that's sort of tangentially connected to this, but many of these students were you know, my age, they were all 50 something. So, you know, I, I would have understood it if, if the master's program was filled with 20 year olds, but I, I just was amazed really? that people were not eager for some deep. Thinking. I guess they figured they're paying for it. They're paying for it. They want it. Well, they're paying. It was, it was, it was a little bit of a diploma mill. I'll just leave it at that. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. really interesting because that was the, um, that, that was the, you know, uh, uh, the magic uh, prize at the end. If you right, had, and I, you, I'm, I'm even considering going to, to a different school and getting a second master's degree. We'll see. But well, I'm a little, I'm a little weary of doing that because you don't really know what it's going to be like until it's too late. Like you got to be there for at least one semester. 
right? Oh. And, and the semesters are 10 grand a pop, right? So sure. it's, it's a 10 grand experiment. You know, I'm not sure I'm up for that. Yeah, no, I understand that. So what's, what's the future plans? I know you have a couple of books. Any more music coming out soon? Well, there's, uh, there's the Sandy Denny stuff. The other thing I'm extremely proud of is hopefully your reader, your, I keep saying your readers, your listeners have heard of The Last Poets. The Last Poets yeah. are iconic. Great yeah. song. It's a great, uh, great, great, great uh, clip you yeah, sent. They're the, yeah, they're sort of the grandfathers of, of hip-hop and rap. Yeah. Very smart guys. You know, these these are all black gentlemen well into their probably 80s by now. Yeah. Anyway, uh, one of them, uh, we call him Dune. Uh, I've just signed him to help sign him to Fire Records in the UK. So he's putting out a solo album, which I'm very excited about. Um, the other thing um, is this band from the 80s that I loved, reunited a few years ago called the Dream Syndicate. Yes who do very much kind of a, a Neil Young crazy horse meets Velvet Underground thing. Uh, they've got a brand new album coming out on fire, as well as many reissues that I'm producing the bonus tracks. Um, you know, we touched on this Ernie Kovacs book, the Ginsburg book. The other book that I'm doing that's coming out is in the 1960s, there was this amazing literary political magazine called the Evergreen Review. Mm -hmm published by Barney Rossett of Grove Press, and I'm doing a best of oh, wow. Evergreen Review book uh, that'll be published by uh, Fanographics. That was a, that was a college um, staple. Yeah, yeah. It was, because, because it was a little political, a little bit of nonfiction, fiction, poetry. Uh, there was even some naked ladies in there from time to time. It was, there yeah. was something in there for everybody. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was a little before my time. But right. I, rem I remember uh, my cousin, who was yeah. six years older than me, always had a copy laying around. That I right, and, and, and the people that contributed, you know, they were some of the first people to publish Kerouac and Burroughs, uh -huh. Norman Mailer. Um, also, uh, a lot of European writers that had no American outlet would, right. get, would first be published, you know, in English, translated in the Evergreen Review. Wow. Look and at I'm that. blanking on any names on that, but there was a lot of those things. It's pretty cool. And how about you, music? You Mushroom or anything like well, that? Well, Mushroom has a brand new album out. It's on Bandcamp. It's called Songs of Descent, which probably okay. no surprise given everything we just said. Mm -hmm. so you put a Bandcamp and you put in Mushroom Songs of Descent. It's available on CD and it's okay. available to download. Cool. Okay, I'm looking for that. And... Um... Let me see, what else can we discuss real quick? Let's talk about some of the guys that we kind of stumble across. Willie Aaron is madly in love with you. <laughs> it, it, go, it goes, the love affair goes both ways. He told me that you guys laugh all day. He said he calls you every day, you just sit there laughing. You know, the, the, the secret to my friendship with Willie is, you know, I take music very, very seriously, as many of us do, but we also can make fun of it. In other words, we know we're nerds, right? We make fun of ourselves. We make yeah. fun of ourselves. In other words, you know, you got, you got to realize that this music thing, it means everything, and then it means absolutely nothing all at the same right. time. Right. And if you can get to that point, you can ha you're going to have a lot of laughs. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, um, I consider myself a music nerd, too. Right. And um, it when I talk to somebody who's not, it's like there's nothing... You know, it, it, I find it hard to fathom why they don't, why they're not doing what we're doing. Yeah, for example, there's there's a guy on Facebook who, sh again, shall remain nameless for now, who loves the birds, and I love the birds too, right? Yeah. But if he if he posts, he'll say something like, "I think the birds' third single is their best," and if I disagree with him, uh -huh. he'll go, "F you, you dirty rot!" Like, and I was like, "Dude, have a little laugh here, right?" Like, it's yeah. It's, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're having a fun debate about the third bird singles. You, you don't have to make out of it. Yeah, it's, uh, it gets crazy. It does. And you figure all these big, you know, tough guys, macho guys and everything else talking about love songs that the birds did. You know, just if you sit back and look at it. I, I love, I love Robert Fripp. He's one of my heroes, but I would also too. admit that that I can make fun of his quirky personality. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, you know, if you can't laugh at Fred and love him at the same time, why bother? That's know? right, that's right. And um, yeah, 
it was it's a lot of guys like that uh, you know i i i'm friends with a lot of the zapper alumni guys sure. and, the, and the old mothers and um they tell me that they respected frank as a musician right and a composer and what a genius he was but he was really really not the nicest man alive I mean, I'm not a good enough drummer to play with Frank, but if uh, I was, I don't think I could have handled it, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> from, yeah, yeah from an emotional yeah. standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he would pit guys against each other and he knew how to play mind games. And, yeah. You know, and, and just the way he, you know, got you into the, into the band. He wasn't the nicest guy. And, um, but yeah. they respected him as a musician. They realized they were lucky enough to, mm -hmm. you know, have, have fallen to his spell. And, yeah, okay. uh, yeah. So, you know, you have to, Remember that musicians are people, you know, they just, right, right. you know, they're just different talents. Yeah. So my friend, can we do this again real soon? Yeah, we, we will. And, you know, we'll, we'll figure out some things that we can just sort of dial in. But th this was a great, uh, who the hell is Pat Thomas 101 conversation. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know how you title your episodes, but there's a potential title. <laughs> yeah, who the hell is Pat Thomas? Um, I, 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 I yeah, you, I was going to say, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, he's, you know, uh, uh, listen up, Whitey. This is Pat Thomas. <laughs> Remember that this radio show is listener funded. If you wish to contribute, our PayPal info is notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. That's notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. We would like to thank you in advance for any contributions. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.